It's good to see everyone here this morning. Trust everybody had a good and meaningful Thanksgiving, time of worship. We have so much to be grateful for. We've been going through a series, sporadically, but going through it, on child training. And um, we didn't have the heart to do child training on Thanksgiving. And... and uh, Cody does an incredible job of organizing everything in the church and really um, kind of keeps everything together. And so <clears throat> two weeks ago, I had come prepared to give this message um, because of some dialogue we'd had back and forth. And I didn't realize there was a kind of a midweek change. And so I was right there. And uh, I think Cody was, Cody was speaking and he said, and now I want, to introduce, I want Bob to come introduce our guest speaker. I'm like... You don't have to do that. Everybody knows me here. <laughs> and then I realized um, there had been a change of menu. So anyway, which I was grateful for. It's always better to be prepared and not have to stand up than to find out that you were supposed to speak and you're not prepared. So grateful for that. We want to look at um, the rod and reproof today for those who are taking notes. Uh, the rod and reproof. You know, as we look at our culture and we see um, a movement away from God and a movement away from honoring God, uh, also along with that goes uh, any desire to discipline ourselves or our offspring. Um, we have a, we've adopted a new view of man, that man is basically good, and that if anything happens to man to cause him to do something wrong, it's because of his own environment. That's happened. And so he's never, there's, no prop, there's no understanding of the sinful nature of man. So that philosophy is completely unable to deal with the wickedness of man. And we see it filtering through our court systems as we try now to have a, a kinder and gentler approach to people who are in, in horrible sin. And so um, it's important for us to realize as parents that we are really preparing the ground for the gospel, when we, when we train our children, okay? It's really important for us to understand that. We talked in the very beginning about that if the goal of all men is to become like Christ, and that child training is a form of sanctification, not only in our children's lives, but in our lives as well. And so, um, when you see a child who's run amok, uh, most people diagnose the problem as, he just didn't get a good spanking. If he just got some spankings, that would solve the problem. And that's, so that's kind of old school people who will look at that and go, okay, that's the problem. The problem is that the reason they're acting that way is because they have not had instruction in the word of God first. And it's not been backed up second by the rod, by discipline, by, by spanking, okay? So our scripture, our first scripture today is Proverbs 29:15. says the rod and reproof. Give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, and I would say to his father too. So notice the scripture says the rod and what? Reproof. Instruction and the rod. It's not, it's not either or, it's both and. And we spent four sessions talking about teaching the word to our children both in formal settings and informal settings, we talk about the importance of convicting them of sin, of helping them really to see the seriousness of their sin. 
We've talked about the whole issue of how to correct that and how to show them the right path. And then the whole issue of training them in a whole host of things uh, for the purpose of righteousness. And we've said that the home is the place that this has to take place. Uh, the church is wholly inadequate to train up your child in the ways of the Lord. We assist, we help, but this is a 24-7 job, training your children in everything from how to eat and how to be polite and how to talk to people and how to be diligent in their work. I mean, there's just a whole host of things that are required in this whole area of child training. But it's the rod and reproof. So if we don't have a means of enforcement, then all we're doing is talking to them. And so, you know, I can't remember if I've told this story before. If I have, it's okay, you can bear with me. I remember sitting at a, at a hair salon, not a hair salon, a, just a hair, place to get a haircut. <laughs> That's for girls, I'm not doing there. It's not that bad yet, okay? And I was watching this mom, and she had two little boys, three and five, or five and seven, or something like that. And they were completely out of control. And they, were, they had gone behind the counter. They were running in and around the chairs while people were cutting hair. And she was warning them, if you don't come sit down by me, I'm going to tell your father. Okay, I'm going to count now. And so she starts to count. I go, oh, please, count some more. And so we watched this little thing take place. For 30 minutes, I watched this interaction go on, and finally, they left. The point is, is that she was giving instruction, but there was no, nothing to back it up. And we're all that way. It's kind of like we're driving down the freeway. <clears throat> if we're living in a little small town, and we know that if we go over 30 miles an hour, we're going to get pulled over, we're all more careful to drive 30 miles an hour. If we're driving on a stretch of freeway where we've never seen anybody ever get a, a traffic ticket, there's a tendency to drive a little faster. You have to have the instruction and reproof. Okay? Um, so the use of the rod is to be used in conjunction with a biblical confrontation. Bruce Ray, in his book, Withhold Not Correction, says... Biblical discipline is correction, and that means that the pattern of a child's behavior must be changed by instruction in righteousness. We're looking for a change of behavior, not just a lecture. He must be shown the error of his way and then directed to the proper path. This requires explanation and instruction. Biblical discipline demands words. And so while I'm going to talk about the rod today, I'm going to make sure we have a balance here of the verbal confrontation and the word. Okay? I'm, I'm indebted to Lou Priola in his book, Teach, Teach Them Diligently, kind of for the structure of this talk. So um, I would recommend that book to any parent who wants to deal with their children at any level, not just little ones, but all. So we talked about... Uh, teaching, convicting, correcting, and training come before the rod and will be used with the rod. Even a child who's very little, a ba an infant who's you know six months or whatever, whatever they get, whenever your child gets to the point when they can understand what you say, once they can understand what you say, <clears throat> at that point, 
they have to be taught to obey what you say. Okay? When they get to the point when they can understand what you say, then they have to be, um, have to be, in, has to be enforced that they will do what you say. So, when, they, when, they, when you tell them not to do something, at that point, and they look at you with that little look, like, are you really going to do something if I don't, if I do this right over here? If they give you that little look, then you know we need to have the rod. It doesn't take a lot with a child very young uh, to bring them back in line, but they need to understand, because here's the pur- what's the purpose of all our instruction? Our in- purpose of our instruction is to what? <coughs> Teach children to hear and obey the word of God. That's what it is. And they first learn it by hearing and obeying the word of their parents. So if you can say something and they get away with doing whatever they want to do and you do nothing, what are you teaching them about God? You're teaching them that God's going to say a bunch of words too, but he doesn't really mean any of it. Okay? Spanking is for a season. Teaching, convicting, correcting, and training will be with them a lifetime. If we were to draw a chart on the board, you would see up here at the right, if you look at, at the rod, the rod over here, instruction over here, the rod would be used a lot in the very beginning of a child's life. And the goal is, is that as the child grows in wisdom, the rod is used less and less and less until it comes to a point where we don't have to use the rod anymore. Okay? Whereas instruction, when a child is very little, you can't give them a long uh, discussion on instruction. It's really simple. Don't touch or come to mom and dad or something real simple like that. But as they grow older, your instruction is going to what? Increase while the use of the rod is going to what? Decrease as they grow in wisdom. Okay? In the Hebrew culture, a child 11 to 13 was considered an adult. And really by that point, hopefully, if you've been faithful and consistent in your discipline of your child, there should not be the need for spankings. They should have wisdom to the point that when you say something, they know what, what it is. I remember listening to Lori's dad. And um, he tells the story of how he was at, these, at, the, at the family's house, and they were celebrating some, some celebration, and he was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. And his dad just looked at him. And he said, I knew at that point. He, said, he didn't have to even say a word. He just looked. And he said, I knew if I continued any farther in this behavior, we would be taking a little trip out to the woodshed. <coughs> So our children need to get to the point where it's just instruction, a word from us. And that's what needs to be with us, too. Is that not true? As we hear the word preached, as we hear the word taught, and God points out, this is not, you're not doing this in your own life, what should happen? We should stop what we're doing that's wrong, and we should begin to obey what he's asked us to do. Okay? 
So hopefully by the age of 12, 13, we're not having to take the children to the back room and, have a, and do discipline with them. Fools will always need some kind of physical chastisement to get their attention, and they'll still not learn. Fools will always need some kind of physical chastisement. Proverbs 26.3. Just find yourself in Proverbs here for a second. So it shouldn't surprise us that we're raising up a generation of fools. Because they've never been instructed in the word. They've never been held accountable and brought under, under control by a rod. So guess who gets to handle these people now? The government gets to deal with them. Did we watch, did we see any of the shenanigans that went on on Black Friday? Um, people in a, in a brawl in the Walmart. Uh, some of my teaching experience was with the alternative school. Alternative school is where you get put when you can't behave in regular school. These were my students. <laughs> and we had, they, you know, you came into our facility. It was secured by a barbed wire fence around it. Um, we, had metal, we had a metal check when you came in to make sure you didn't have a weapon. 50% of my students had been incarcerated, had been put in prison for a while, um, or in jail. And... This is what they had to have to, to function. They had, they had to receive some type of physical discipline to control themselves. And they were an unbelievable group. And the, and the wisdom of the education system was if you had two gangs fighting on a Friday night, you brought them both to our campus. <laughs> so good to have everybody here today. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, the little girl came in my classroom and I said, Hi, so good to have you here. I'm so glad you're in my class. She says, You won't be. <laughs> I said, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yes, I'm, you're going to really enjoy my class. And then she tells, she tells one of her friends the story of how she held up the, the local convenience store with an AK 47. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. When we don't deal with the sinfulness of man, our own sinfulness, every child is born with a sin nature. Let's not forget that. And only through biblical instruction and the rod of reproof, and we have to at some point have the grace of God come into their life and save them. If he does not do his work and save them, it's challenging. Imagine a culture in which there's no child training. That's what we're faced with. If you were to ever discipline your child in public, people would be shocked. They would turn you into CPS. And yet what they're doing is abuse because they don't discipline their children. Okay? So Proverbs 26.3, a whip for the horse, a bridle for a donkey, and the rod for the back of fools. 
How do you control a horse? With a whip. How do you control a donkey? With a bridle. How do you control a fool? With a rod. Okay? Proverbs 17.10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Look at the comparison. Man of understanding, a simple word, a simple correction, goes deeper into his heart and soul than using the rod on a fool with a hundred stripes. Proverbs 18.6. I love this one. A fool's lips walk into a fight. Can you just see this person's lips carrying him right into the middle of a fight? And his mouth invites a beating. Proverbs 27.22. Crush a fool in a martyr with a pestle along with crushed grain. Yet his folly will not depart from him. All of our children are born with a sin nature and they're headed on a course to be fools unless we instruct them in the word and we back that up with the rod. There's three foolish responses to reproof. And while we're looking at this lesson, let's not just focus on children. Let's think about ourselves and how we handle reproof. You know there's certain people that you don't want to give them a reproof. Because you know it's going to be painful on you, don't you? Mm -hmm. Three foolish responses to reproof. Number one, Proverbs 1, 29-32. Who would like to read that for us? So what's God saying here? I gave them instruction. They wouldn't what? They wouldn't listen. They spurned reproof. And so what ends up happening when you spurn reproof? You continue down the road to destruction till your life is destroyed. Despising the one who reproves, Proverbs 9, 8. Who'd like to read that for us? Okay, if you break a wise man, what happens? He loves you for that. A scorner, you break him, what's going to happen? He's going to hate you. Okay? Question for us. When we get rebuked, how do we handle that? I'll have to acknowledge at times I don't handle it real well. Something I'm working on. We need to work on receiving a rebuke, taking it in, listening to it, evaluating it, and taking action on that. Okay? 
uh, forsakes reproof. Proverbs 10:17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects or forsakes reproof leads others astray. Okay. And then finally, hates reproof. Proverbs 15:10. There's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Reproof is like a stop sign. Reproof is like a warning. Reproof keeps us off the path of destruction. And if we won't hear that, if we will not hear that warning, then that's where we're going to head. When people come to you and point out things in your life that are, that are clearly out there and are wrong, and you continue to move down that path, at some point you're going to pay for it. At some point you're going to pay for it. It, it just doesn't, they're, they're there for a purpose. Reproof is there to protect us and to help us. The Lord reproves us. He, he gives agents to help reprove us. And for you as parents, if we don't reprove our children, if we don't discipline our children, basically we don't care that they go to destruction. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates reproof is stupid. Now, we all have a little fool in us, don't we? And there's times that when we get rebuked, we don't, we don't want to hear it. We just don't want to hear it. And then something happens usually to get us in trouble right after that. Like our wife says, you, don't, you need to slow down, honey. You're going to get a ticket. Honey, I'm doing fine. Thank you, honey. Appreciate that. You know. It can be that quick. It can be later. How do we handle Reproof. Three wise responses to reproof. So the foolish ones are what? They spurn it. They despise the person. I mean, I've, been, I've seen situations where church leader gets rebuked, and all of a sudden, the elder, God's calling him somewhere else. Somebody else reproves him. Somebody else leaves the church. Somebody else reproves him. Somebody else leaves the church. There's a problem there. There's a problem with being able to receive. If, you, if you're in a church and you bring a reproof to your elders and you don't have them love you for that, I shouldn't say this, I really shouldn't. Um, and, and, and listen to what you've had to say and thank you for coming. If you get anger, in return for a rebuke to an elder, you need to run. Because you're dealing with somebody in authority who will not accept a what? A reproof. How dangerous is that? Okay? Three wise responses to reproof. One... Um, to turn or repent at the reproof. Proverbs one twenty three. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. What a promise from God. If you will turn at my reproof, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And I'm going to give you my words. This is what we need for our children, isn't it? 
to turn at our reproof and then pour out the wisdom of God's word on them. Psalm 141.5, let a righteous man strike me. It is oil to my head. Let my head not refuse it. That is the mindset of a wise man. May I receive all rebukes because what are they going to do? They're going to help me become more like Christ. Watch a businessman who is willing to, to see a failure and then make steps to change that failure or to receive correction or to receive criticism. That person is going to be successful. The person who can't be told they did anything wrong, they're never going to be able to change, are they? Okay, so secondly, regard or pay careful attention to it. Proverbs 13, poverty and disgrace come to you, come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Our natural tendency because of our pride is to think we're what? Right. So we're going to have to actually sit down and listen to somebody and let them tell us what they're going to tell us without giving our first responses. And let it soak in. No one says that they're, they're infallible in what they're saying. But we need to at least do what? Listen to it. Pray over it. Evaluate it. And take what there is that we need. And usually God's faithful. He brings us more than one person. So we have usually a couple of witnesses to what's going on in our life. Don't we? Okay? And then finally, listening. So listening, regarding, paying attention to, turning. This one's Proverbs 15, 31, 32. The year that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. What do we see there? If we listen to reproof, we're going to be wise. If we ignore instruction, I would say this, we despise not only ourselves, we despise all those who are underneath our authority as well. Because they're going to have to face the consequences of it as well. So let's talk about developing a biblical method for using the rod. Okay? Okay, obviously, number one, we're going to be teaching their children the word as we go through life. We're going to use all opportunities to teach our children God's word and what it says. Okay? Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you arise. So first, the words must be where? On your own heart. And then you're instructing your children in all these things. And you're obviously going to instruct them, especially in those areas where they're having a problem being obedient. Help them memorize scripture and help them understand that when they do what they do, they're violating God's word. Okay. Secondly, so your household should be a household of instruction in God's word. Secondly, teach your children regularly that when you spank, you're obeying God. Your children need to understand that the idea of spanking is not your idea, as much as they want to believe that. Help them to understand that this is what God requires of them, of you, is that you spank your child. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
So it's important. We're called to do this. Now here's the catch. Since you're acting as God's agents, you need to be careful how you discipline. Because you are acting as a representative of God to your children. And how you discipline them is going to be the picture of how they think God disciplines them. And that's true for all people in authority, isn't it? It's true for fathers and mothers as they discipline their children. It's true for elders as they help in dealing with discipline in the church. It's true with government officials as they have to deal with disciplining unruly population and unruly people in the population. They have certain guidelines and limits they have to follow because all three are representatives of God and how he deals with them. Okay? So you're going to have a little talk with Johnny. Johnny, you know why I really, you know, I'm really sorry you did what you did. God requires me, and, and probably have, that, have a little Johnny memorize this scripture about he, a parent who, just, who spares the rod, spoils the child, or some other scripture like that, and help them understand this is your responsibility that when they sin, that that will be the case. Okay? Three, consistently confront your children in their sin verbally and spanking to enforce the word. Okay? Now, this is the problem, normally, is that we're not very consistent. We, we, we can approach child training very selfishly. <clears throat> we're only going to deal with the kids when they bother us. And some of us may have a high threshold of pain when it comes to being bothered. And so it goes on, it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And then finally we snap. Finally we get upset. And then we come with the rod, no instruction necessary. <laughs> we're bringing the rod and we're going to apply it. All right? What is required for biblical child training is that we're consistently confronting our children in their sin. And... When we, when we catch them doing something they're not supposed to do, and we give them a warning, we say, don't do that. If they continue, then they receive the rod. It is used as enforcement. For verbal. Our goal is what? That they'll respond just on what? Verbal. That's the goal, is that it would just be on verbal. Okay? And here's what's really painful, is watching parents who have a very high threshold for disobedient children... Come to your house. And they're running through the house and they're knocking stuff over and they're doing all this and that. And the parents seem oblivious to the behavior that's going on in their household, in your household. Okay? Here's a little saying if no one ever invites you to, your, to their house, <laughs> could be, possibly. <laughs> that you have children who are so out of control that it's, it's, not, it's not an enjoyable experience for them. Okay, So the goal here is what? Be consistent in your instruction. This doesn't mean that you'd correct every little jot and tittle of what they do. You'll be doing that all day long. Focus on the important things. Deal with them on that. Help them learn to obey your voice. That's key. And when they don't, they should know there'll be a repercussion. If you want them to obey your voice, there's going to have to be a consequence when they don't. 
If there is no consequence when they don't, then they won't. Okay? Paul admonishes Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You see why the one of the qualifications for an elder is that they have their household under control? Because... Do we really want someone in charge of the church who um, never disciplined their children consistently, patiently, lovingly? Do we want somebody that their discipline looked like this? Violation, 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 explosion. Do you really want that person... Do you really want that person as a leader in the church? And Bob and I will tell you, no, none of us are perfect in our discipline. Let's make that little caveat real clear, real quick, before our kids do. Right? It's always funny when I, when I teach on these lessons. My kids are always like, are there any illustrations this week, Dad? Oh. So... No, you don't have to be perfect at this. No one is perfect at this. No one's the perfect uh, parent or the perfect disciplinarian. Okay? Four, uh, your confrontation should be full of grace. And this a lot of times is where we, we really mess up. Proverbs 16, 20 through 24. Who would like to read that for us? He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the song. So it's really important for us to have words that are full of grace. Because we've all, we all know that being disciplined is not pleasant, right? So let's, let's do that with, with words full of grace. They can still be truthful, but words that are full of grace. A lot of times it's the tone. Um, Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up. As fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So number four, our confrontation needs to be full of grace. Okay? And this is whether the children are little bitty or whether they're looking you eyeball to eyeball. Okay? Number five, take your child to a private place to administer the rod. That's just wisdom in our culture. If you're out in public, as much as you want to apply the rod right now, find a place in private and I would say in your home, find a place where you administer the rod. Because it's going to take a little while to do this and do this properly. Okay? Um, for a little child, it may be better. For just a little bitty, maybe a little swat, a little telling them no, no, and a little swat on the legs. But when we get to a child who's able to understand instruction, the more they can understand instruction, the more it's going to be important for us to take them to a place where we can deal with them appropriately. 
Number six, make sure your child knows exactly what he has done to receive the rod. Okay? Don't assume that they understand. Okay? Ask him questions that cause him or her to think through their actions and how they violated God's law and what the consequences of that are. And help them use biblical terms. So ask your, ask your children, okay, so why did I bring you back here? What, what did you just do that I saw you do that violates God's word? They may say it, okay? And, and how does that violate God's word? Well, God's word says so and so, okay? All right? And what does God tell us that we need to do when a child <laughs> won't obey their parents? Well, we need, we need to receive the rod, okay? Help them to, help them to talk through it and understand why they're receiving it. If they don't understand why they're receiving the rod, you're going to embitter your child. You are going to embitter them. And there's people who would tell you they've used the rod, they don't know what else to do. Well, the problem is they used the rod, they didn't give instruction, they weren't patient in what they did, and there were times they disciplined that child when it was inappropriate and it wasn't right. And children have a real sense of justice. They really do. And if you violate that, you're going to cause them um, to be hardened. Number seven, secure the child's acknowledgement that a spanking is the appropriate biblical action before applying the rod. Okay? This also forces you to slow down and make sure that you have all the facts. And there's times when you're busy and you've got stuff going on and you just want this thing to stop. Because actually you've got a thing going on between two people, and it's going to take a little while to sort that out. But you don't want to do that. You just want to go over here and grab somebody. Somebody's going to pay, and that's going to make everybody be better. No, that doesn't work that way. And we all have to do this. Okay? Um... Number eight, develop a consistent, predictable method for disciplining your child. Find a particular room of the house. Have your rod available there. Have the children know that's what we're going to do when we get there. And then walk through the process where you talk to them. They understand what they've done. Then you, then you apply the rod. Now, sometimes this happens in your household. Those rods have a way of disappearing. <laughs> They find themselves underneath the couch cushion or in the trash can. I'm not sure how that happens. But anyway. It's kind of humorous, I think. Except when you can't find one. <laughs> okay. Here's a quote from Jay Yance on child training. He said, the spanking must be sufficiently robust to make an impression. If you follow these guidelines and your child is still angry and sullen after the spanking, you probably have not spanked hard enough or long enough. And again, we're in a culture that abuse, the word abuse just comes out like that. So we're all terrified of being abusive. Um, but again, if you're under control and you're administering it in a way that you should, that should not be the case. Remember, retribution is not the goal here. It's not enough just to create a negative experience for the child. 
This should also be a positive building experience for you and your child. Spankings that are too short may leave your child sullen, angry, and more resilient to future spankings. Because they've never what? They've never been broken. They've never really asked for, for forgiveness. And now they have a grudge built, built up. Because they've never seen their own sin. They just saw that you mistreated them. Another indicator of a spanking that's too short is that the child does not seem really changed or repentant, even though they may have been wailing. And they get pretty good at this. They can start crying before you ever get to the room. And they can cry loudly. They, 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 children can understand what false repentance is. And they can practice it very well. Um, it's possible the child has learned that cry, a crying level will cause you to stop spanking. They'll figure out what level it is, and they'll get to that level quickly. Okay? Um, if this is the case, the wailing is not from pain, but from an attempt to manipulate you. I had a brother who was a master at this. It made me so mad. I mean, I would get worn out, and he, he had the tears going in a matter of minutes. I mean, it was just quick, and it was over with. I'm like, what? He should have got more than that. <laughs> then he walked away, kind of got a little smile on his face, like. <laughs> <coughs> so be careful about being manipulated by your children. They are sinners, remember? Okay, number nine. Use the discipline session as an opportunity to show your child his need for salvation and to point him to Christ. As they see their sin, as you've helped them by your questions to them to see their sin, now is the time to show them the cure for their sin. Christ and the gospel. Okay? And they need to, they need to understand that. We don't want to miss this opportunity to share with them. And it may be a short reminder. Again, this is a reminder. I mean, you may have already gone through the gospel with these children more, more times than you know. But to say, again... What does this show? This shows I'm a sinner, right? And this shows that except for the grace of God and the gospel, this is not going to be changed. You need Christ. You need the Holy Spirit to help you live and be changed as people. Number ten, use the discipline session to help your child think of ways to respond biblically to the next situation. So we get in the situation, child's done X, Y, and Z wrong. So this time, let's, let's talk about what would it look like to respond the way God wants you to respond in this situation when, when your sister pulls your hair or when, when your brother does this. And help them think about a way. This is, this is training, isn't it? We, we went off course. If we, just, if we just discipline them and leave them to themselves, what are they going to do again? They're going to go down the same path. So we need to help them think through how they're going to respond differently the next time. Yes, your, your sibling started it, and if you had responded this way, they would have been disciplined, and you would have been okay. But when you got into it over here, now we got a problem. Okay? So helping them understand the right response. Okay? Number 11, require your child to ask forgiveness of you and others. They may have offended and make restitution where necessary. Discipline's not finished if they, have, if they have sinned against someone or they've sinned directly against you by not obeying what you've asked them to do. Letting them off without asking forgiveness and it being from the heart. It's not, let me, I want to say, please forgive me. 
I mean, that, okay, that, that just smacks we got a problem here. <laughs> right? Again, don't let the words fool you. You've got to see the heart that's behind it. But bring them to a point of asking forgiveness and a point of restitution. So if they broke someone's toy, they're going to have to purchase another toy for their, their sibling. Twelve, comfort and pray with your child when you've finished administering the spanking. At the end of it, they're broken, they've asked forgiveness. This is the time to do what? To hold them, to tell them how much you love them, to tell them you know that you know that God that God gives us hope and God loves us and that, that you're a sinner too and you understand you you've experienced the discipline of God many times in your life and to love them and hold them close. That produces something completely different than just bringing a child into the room, letting it fly, and I told you not to ever do that again, and walking out of the room. This, where we think through it, we have them think about what they've done that's wrong, we come to the point of asking forgiveness, we give them appropriate and appropriate measures, they know that we love them. They know that we're doing this because God's asked us to do this. And we've done it in a way in which we're patient and we're under control. And we're not having fire coming out of our nostrils. Okay? And they realize they're able then to focus on their own sin, aren't they? If we come into the equation and we're out of control, where are they going to focus their attention? On your sin. As opposed to what? Their sin. That's why it's important for us to be under control so that we can just deal with one person's sin instead of having both people's sins stirred and mixed into the whole equation. Okay? All right. So, for parents who have, who have children who, who need discipline, that's everybody here, sit down with your spouse and walk through, take these steps and create in your mind a pattern of what this is going to look like. Okay? And then begin to practice that pattern. Okay? So you're, it's predictable. Your children know what's going to happen next. Matter of fact, they'll probably even bring you the rod sometimes. You know, I mean, uh, you just never, but bring it in a situation where they know what's going to happen. God's discipline, this is important, God's discipline yields good fruit. <coughs> Hebrews 12:11. For the moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Selfish discipline yields alienation, bitterness, destruction. If discipline is done right, you as a parent are being sanctified. Your child is being sanctified. And there's an openness to the gospel of Jesus. If it's done in selfishness, you're going to end up sinning in the middle of it. You are going to alienate yourself from your child. And now, unless there's a way to rebuild that, and there is by asking forgiveness and reconciliation... The Bible calls a person who is offended like a fortified city. If you've got that situation with one of your children, now you need to go to them and have a very clear conversation 
where you find out what is it that I've been doing that has caused you to have this wall. And where they have pointed out true sin in your life, you need to be willing to admit it to them, ask forgiveness, and repent. That's the only way to bring the walls down. And if they have walls up and they keep going on, it doesn't matter if they come to church every Sunday, it doesn't matter any of those things. If they've got a wall built up, it's built up to you, and it's also built up to who? Christ. And all of a sudden, they're going to find themselves in a lot in a lot of wickedness and sin beyond what you can imagine. And one day it all kind of comes out. You go, whoa, where did all this come from? So work on keeping your children's hearts. Work on being disciplined and careful in your own discipline of your children to be under control. This should be redemptive. Okay? Any questions? All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we acknowledge that we are sinful people, and uh, we are sinful parents, and Lord, we're still working on dealing with our own sin and trying to bring it under the control of Christ. And Father, uh, we thank you for your word that admonishes us in all things. Lord, help us not to shy away from disciplining our children. Help us to have confidence that if we do it according to what you've asked us to do, that we can keep the relational heartstrings tied to our kids. Father, this should cause all of us to pray and cry out for help, for wisdom. Father, we pray for those who have not really been uh, disciplining their children, that you would give them grace to begin to lay the groundwork and prepare to do that in a way that honors you. Lord, for all of us who discipline our children, Lord, help us to rethink areas in which we're weak, areas in which we tend to be inconsistent, um, and in our own attitude and heart. Uh, is it really done for their sanctification or more for our convenience? Lord, we're, we're sinful and we are very selfish. Father, we uh, thank you that you discipline us for our good. Lord, we pray that you would give us grace in this area to find the balance. Uh, Lord, help us to be strong in instruction and patient with our with our with the rod. And Lord, we pray, we thank you um, for your instruction in this. In Jesus' name, Amen.